Thank you. It's a real pleasure to see you all this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 again this morning. Uh, let me say a couple of things before we dive into the text. Um, we had a congregational meeting a couple of weeks ago, and um, it was my first in-person congregational meeting, and I expected it to go a lot longer. Maybe some of you were happy that it was shorter. I don't know. Um, I expected a lot more discussion and interaction, uh, and we didn't have that. Uh, I hope we'll have more of that in the future. We need that. Uh, as we open up this passage, I think it's important to know the, um, the place from which Paul is writing. He's not sitting in an air-conditioned office with his MacBook opened. He, he's not even sitting beside a stream with a pen and a, and a parchment. He's in prison. He's in prison. Now, there have been a lot of great letters written in prison. Letters from a Birmingham jail from Martin Luther King. Uh, so many others throughout the years from some of our reformers like Luther, Calvin. There's a thing about being in prison when you're sitting still and your mind is able to, to worship the Lord when some great letters come forth. Paul wasn't just in any prison, though. He was in Nero's prison. Nero's prison was particularly rough. Nero's prison was in Nero's Rome. Nero was the 23-year-old emperor of Rome. He was a vicious, spoiled, evil brat with all the power in the world from an earthly sense. Nero was, was an emperor that would light Christians on fire just for his pleasure. That would have Christians thrown into the arena to fight gladiators or lions or elephants. Wicked, wicked, wicked man. Paul is in that prison. Nero had a, ha a hatred for, for one group of people above all others, and that was for Christians. Paul's fairly certain that he's not going to get out of that alive. And yet still somehow, his love for God, his love for people, his joy in Jesus Christ is what stands out far above any fear that he might harbor in his heart. It's against that backdrop that he writes the letter to the church at Philippi. We'll start reading. We'll start reading in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that, that has come to us through the, the pen of your apostle Paul. Lord, we are in great need of such a letter today. Lord, life is hard, and in some ways it's getting harder for the Christian. But you are still who you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I pray that you would help us even today to keep our eyes fixed on you, that you would transform our hearts. Lord, I pray that I would decrease in you, you, you would increase. Lord, that you would be honored and glorified, whether by life or by death. In Jesus, amen. Amen. What is it, what is it about, about God that, that would cause someone to rejoice in the middle of, of fear, in the middle of, of, of chains? What, what is it? I mean, think about it. Fear is a powerful, powerful, powerful force. And it's not always a bad force. I mean, fear can be a bad force, but it's, it can be a good force. For example, um, fear might keep you off the top of a, of a hill during a lightning storm holding up a golf club, right? That, that's a good kind of fear. It's a good kind of fear. But if your child is on top of that, that hill holding up a golf club and there's a lightning storm coming, what will you obey? The force of fear or the force of love? Well... Let's, let's face it, you're going to dart out into the storm no matter how bad it is. Fear be gone because of your love for your child. Love is greater than fear. As powerful as fear is, love is greater. It is a more powerful force. As we said last week, love is the most, most powerful force in the universe because as we read in 1 John 4, God, God is love. And the two greatest commandments that he gave us were to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Great Commission itself comes out of those two great commandments. Because of our love for God and our love for people, we have a desire to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, it's because of our love for God and our love for people that we, we move out and, and obey the Great Commission. Love is greater than our fear. So there's a healthy kind of, of fear, yes, but, but there's a, an unhealthy kind of fear. 
the kind of fear that causes us to, to shrink back. It's this kind of fear that Paul has in mind in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, when he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Elsewhere, he speaks of that slavery as being a slavery to sin, a slavery to the opinions of, of other people. So if we're, if we're given over to the opinions of others, then we are not followers of Christ, Paul says in another place. Our fear of man is sometimes greater than our love for God, but God would have it different. Paul's fear for his own life is certainly taking, taking second place to his love for God in this place. Where, what's there to be afraid of in this passage? I mean, the imprisonment's the obvious thing, right? But he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi where they are not in prison. And there's, there's some that might be, but they're not in prison. But there are, there are still some very real chains that they face. Some great, great fears that are there. There's because Philippi is still a Roman colony. So they're still under the oversight of Nero. And the church at Philippi will face great persecution in the years to come. Paul knows this, so he's speaking to them to be, to be of courage, to let their love for God and their love for each other be greater than their fear of imprisonment. Greater than their fear for a loss of income. For if you're a Roman, if, if you're a Roman citizen and, and you accept Christ, then you're saying, in effect, uh, Christ is king, which means, Nero, you aren't. So in Philippi, there was a, a, a great uh, worship of, of the Caesar, the, the emperor. There was a great worship of Nero. If you're going to follow Christ, then you're not going to follow Nero. And you're going to put yourself at risk of losing status, losing income, losing your job with your company, losing trade with others that would be doing trade with other Roman colonies. So there, was, there were very real things to fear, fear of losing friendships, fear of losing family. If you became a believer in Christ and you were, you were the woman uh, or you were the children, then it was common that you would be pushed out of the home to fend for yourself. So some of the widows that we see in the New Testament, for, for example, in Acts chapter 2, are not widows because their husband has died. Some of those are widows because they had been kicked out of their home simply because they became believers in Christ. So there are, there are things to, to fear. There are consequences of, of following Christ for these. And Paul is saying to them, let your love be greater than your fear. Paul is encouraging not only them, but you and I as well to love Jesus enough to risk imprisonment if that's what it took. Now, we don't face that here. We might one day, but we don't face that here today. Other countries, that's not the case. But what are your fears? What are the things that, that might cause you to shrink back from following Christ? Let's, let's address a few of them. Some of them could be loss of status, loss of relationship, loss of, of being in the in crowd. If you confess Christ publicly, then some of those people that, that you follow, that you want to be a part of, some of your friends in that in crowd in school, middle school, high school, college, in business, in your family, 
you're shunned. And they will turn their back on you. And some of you have faced that very thing. No matter what school you're in, whether it's a Christian school or public school or, I mean, I've seen it happen in, in homeschool things. Whether it's in college, in business, it happens. I've faced it myself. You stand up for Christ, and, and there's, a, there's a shunning that happens. And you, you find yourself more lonely, don't you? So there, there's a fear. If you, don't, if you don't want to be lonely, there's a, there's a temptation to compromise. And Paul is, is coming to these, these folks with, a, with, with chains around his, his feet or his, his wrist, and he's telling them, it's okay. It's not easy, but it's okay. In fact, it's good. Let your love be greater than your fear. He teaches us also to let our love be greater than our, our freedom. Paul's not eager for these chains to disappear. These are literal chains for him. Others would have brought him food and drink, but for all other practical purposes, he's in, he's in prison. Jesus had promised Paul and you and I that if we follow him, we're going to suffer. It's going to happen. You go over to, to um, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that my, by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We'll unpack that more thoroughly when we get to, to Philippians 3. But it's important for us to recognize that if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to walk with Christ, there will be suffering. There's nowhere here in this book that Jesus said, hey, you come with me and it's going to be easy. In fact, he says just the opposite. There's going to be suffering. Who signs up for a life like that? Well, Christ calls us to. There are, there are real chains involved here. Maybe not physical chains, but there's real chains that could tie you to, to certain relationships, certain, certain parts of your life simply because you're a believer in Christ. What are they? What about marriage? If you're, gonna, if, if you're going to walk with Christ and you're in a marriage that you just really don't like, what keeps you there? Well, it's a love for Christ and a love for people. You say, well, I don't like that woman. Well, that woman doesn't like me. Well, maybe you're not likable. <laughs> or, or, or she says, hey, I don't like him, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe he's not likable. So, uh, you know, or, or, or maybe you say, I don't like being a mom. I don't like being a dad. I'm done. I don't like being tied down. I don't like responsibilities. I, I told Sandy about an hour ago, when I grow up, I want to be a cowboy. There was a context for that. We'll go there another time. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't want to grow up and take responsibility, and so we want to, we want to run from, from responsibilities. We want to run from marriage, maybe. I don't. Don't get that. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But, but I, I've had more than one person sit in my office and say, I don't like this. This is not what I signed up for. What keeps you there? What keeps you there is love for God and love for people. 
What keeps you in a business relationship that you might not like? I'm not talking about financial ends, but you just don't like that individual. You don't want to be around that person. You don't want to sit in the same office space and them in the next cubicle. What, what keeps you there? Why do you keep going back again and again and again? Well, love. Love for God. Love for people. Those are, those are change. Those are constraints, right? But Paul said it is God's, Christ's love that constrains me. Another translation says it's Christ's love that compels me. If we're going to follow Christ, then we will sometimes have to choose between freedom, that is getting away from following Christ, or staying with the chains, staying with the, the, the relationships or the, 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 the chains, the, the structures. Paul's in chains and he's not, he's not backing away from them. Income. Income is another example. I worked for two companies my last decade in business. Uh, one of them, they were in the same industry. One of them was run by an elder at, at my home church, which was Briarwood. Um, and one of them was run by uh, a family that weren't believers. And uh, so I worked for the first one for a while, for several years. And the other one, who was an elder in, in my church, kept bugging me, Harrison, come to work for me, come to work for a Christian company. And um, so finally I gave in and I went to work for this guy. Um, and it, it, was, it was hard. The work wasn't hard. The work was easy. But, but it was hard to be there because my friend and my brother and my elder gave in. He gave in to the, to the call for money, 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 money and compromised on integrity. In effect, he put Christ on the shelf. He put his walk with Christ on the shelf and he grabbed a hold of the golden calf. That was hard. I lasted about a year there and, uh, and, and I, I was very frank with him. I was very frank with him. I said, I'm going to I'm going to go do something different because you're not doing, you're not living as God has called you to live. He's given you golden, this, this golden opportunity to follow him that is a, a, a golden opportunity of the gold of blood, the blood of Christ, and instead you're gra grabbing hold of the gold of earth. Well, he repented later. Our relationship was healed. But in the meantime, I went back to the first company. I told my, my former boss, I said, look, I want to see you more successful than ever. I want to see us reach this point in our sales, and I want to see Christ glorified in this company. Well, he wasn't a believer. And he looked at me, and, and he said, okay, I'm going to give you a company car and a raise, and, and, and when can you start? And we saw all those things happen. By the time I left, he was hiring believers on purpose. Sometimes, folks, even, even in the church, and it stands out most, most clearly in the church, we put aside the character of Christ to reach for success. Success defined from an early, earthly standpoint. Whether it's income, whether it's um, fame, whether it's power, we put aside the character of Christ. That character of Christ we see as change. We, 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 we see that lack of income, maybe that poverty, relatively speaking, and we want to avoid that. We see it as a chain to be cast off. And we chase after the world instead. And Paul says the chains aren't that bad. The chains aren't easy, but they're not. 
that bad. There's a fight that's taking place there. Uh, Bono in, in U2 said, love has to fight, has to fight for its existence. There's a battle that goes on in our soul between love and fear and love and freedom. Will love win out? For Paul, love won out. Will it win out in our lives? Love has consequences. There's at least five results here in this passage that Paul spells out very clearly for us. We're going to hit those five consequences and encourage you to take note of those. The first one you see in verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. God's being glorified in the midst of that. It's become clear throughout the whole the whole imperial guard. So he's in prison. There's a palace there. There's a, uh, there's the imperial guard, though, would have been those that were, um, uh, they were higher ranking. Uh, there were regular prison guards. There were higher ranking guys that were guarding Paul and other notable pre- uh, prisoners like Paul. Uh, these were under the, uh, the allegiance of, of Nero. Nero was their king. But Paul is daily declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, even as he is in chains, and he's watching them come to know Christ. It's become clear throughout the whole imperial guard. There's something about staying in our chains, and somebody looks at you and says, why are you staying in your chains? Why have you compromised here? Why are you staying in this marriage that you really don't like? Why are you doing this? Why, Why are you following this Jesus that you cannot even see? It gives you a phenomenal opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and to suffer well for Christ. We don't like suffering, do we? Of course not. We certainly don't like suffering well. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. It's clear to the whole palace guard there, the imperial guard, that Paul is in chains for Christ and that Christ is worthy of being followed. We have this thing today of a, um, a, a public-private dichotomy, right? Um, uh, we, we can talk about Christ and Christianity in private. Maybe we could talk about them on Sunday morning. But in our culture... Uh, coast to coast, north to south, we're discouraged from speaking of Christ and living out our faith in public. Keep it private, we're told. Keep it private. Some of you are under such constraints in your business, maybe in the school in which you teach. Keep it quiet, keep it private. That wasn't the case in Rome. Religion was discussed openly in the the temple square. There were great debates as you you could talk about this. But what you couldn't do was then turn around and follow this Christ uh, to the point where Nero was the one that was put aside. For that, you could be killed. That's what Paul is facing. He's saying, I'm not ashamed. I will follow Christ even if it means my death. And for the imperial guard that were watching him, this had an impact. Look in verse 19 and, and 20. 
Paul says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That is, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So God's being glorified as imperial guards are coming to Christ. God's being glorified just through his, his imprisonment. Paul wants to suffer well. I'm not sure we know how to suffer well. We, we live in an, in an age where uh, there's instant gratification, where uh, if the screen or our cell phone breaks, well, life is over. If my apps aren't working, life is done. You know, if, if we, we can't, you know, get to Chick-fil-A on Sunday, then something must be wrong with the world. We live in an age where we don't want to suffer. We don't want hardship. I, I've got news, folks. Life is hard. Life is just hard. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. And Christianity doesn't make it easier. In fact, Christianity can make it harder. Choose who you will follow. Paul is going to remain in this prison if it means that Christ will be glorified in his body. He wants to suffer well, and he wants you and I to suffer well. There's encouragement for other Christians here as well. Look in verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what brothers are he, is he speaking of? Is he speaking of um, just the new brothers in the, in the palace or in the, in the prison? The new imperial guard? Well, maybe. Maybe there's some of those. But I think it's broader than that. Because, again, Paul, is, Paul has people that are coming in, friends, that are bringing in food, clothing, uh, those kind of things. And so he's, he's got contact with the outside world. So others in Rome are hearing of his imprisonment. The church in Philippi is hearing of his imprisonment. And they know that, there is a, that, that, that there's something going on here that's really powerful, and they're encouraged to take part in it. So they're encouraged to speak the word of Christ more boldly, knowing that that could mean their death. It could mean their imprisonment. Paul's being treated quite nice, relatively speaking, because he's a Roman citizen. Those that were not Roman citizens would be treated much worse. And they, too, are saying, I will speak the words of Christ. I'm encouraged to do that because of Paul's imprisonment. My friends, we fold so easily here in America when it comes to speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just give it up. We give up to to special interest groups who give up to this person that might complain, that person that might complain. We just give it up. We make decisions based on the, the, the population rather than, than on Jesus Christ. The brothers in Rome or the brothers in Philippi, the Christian brothers, wherever they happen to be, even the new palace guards that are new believers are, are, are encouraged to speak the gospel more boldly. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is preached. It's the third thing we see here. Look in verse 15. Now, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So whether for false motives or pure, Paul's rejoicing that Christ is, is being preached. Now some of those that are preaching Christ in some way, whatever they're saying, is making life harder on Paul. And Paul is rejoicing in that. Come on, Paul, stand up for yourself. But he's not. Why? Because God's word never returns void. People are coming to know Jesus Christ, and in that Paul rejoices. He's suffering well. His joy increases. That's the fourth thing we see. We see it in verse 18. We see it in verse 25 and 26. I will, I will rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. He has an overflowing joy in the middle of this. Why? How do you have such joy? Well, that, the fifth thing I think takes us there. There's an eternal perspective that is growing. I don't know about you, but I have to be reminded of that. This world is not my home, and it is not yours. Our time here is very, very, very short. If you want to look at it as a, as a, a ball of string, or imagine a a ball of string that, that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever out the door and, and, and out of this world and out of our solar system, just out of, out of the galaxies, out of the universe, just goes on and on and on. Your life is but a pinprick on that string. And that's it. This, this world is very limited for you and me. This is not our home. Piper says this world is not for comfort. The next one is, this world is meant for mission. Paul has an eternal perspective in verse 20 and 21. Look at it. He said, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. <laughs> well, yes, certainly to die is gain, right? Because the moment you breathe your last breath, pain is gone. Sorrow is gone. Suffering is gone. And you stand in the presence of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the one that has taken the scars on your behalf, the one, the only one that loves you completely unconditionally. You stand in his presence forever. Yes, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Oh, to die is gain. But live for that day, Christian. But he also says to live is Christ. Don't miss that. He goes on, he says, I will remain in this body. Why? Because it's better for you that I do so. In other words, he has a love for, for God and a love for those people that causes him to choose life here on earth. Now, we don't know what was going on at that time. Maybe Paul was really close to death. Maybe there was a threat in his life. We don't know. Maybe he really thought that death was coming the next day or the day after the day after. But he was choosing to say, I prefer. He wasn't choosing suicide. That's not what he's saying. He wasn't choosing life here over suicide so that he could see Christ. That, you, you might have seen that out there. It's some blogosphere. That's garbage. It's not what he was going what he was, he was saying, I prefer. 
I prefer to remain here on earth because of my love for you rather than to die and see Christ today because you need Jesus. So I will suffer well even longer because you need Jesus Christ and I want you to have him. I want you to have the hope of heaven. So he's choosing to stay, to live as Christ, to die as gain. What can they do to him? He's already in chains. What can they do to him? He's already been beaten five times with the 40 lashes minus one. Any one of those was, was enough to kill him. He's already been thrown outside the city, having been beaten to within an inch of his life and thrown onto dung heap to be eaten by dogs. He's, he's already been shipwrecked. He's already been bitten by a snake. I mean, the guy's been through it. He's already in chains. What can they do to him? He says, to live as Christ. My friends, where are you? To live as what? What would you feel? How would you fill in that blank? To live as what? To live as what? To live as Christ? When there will be suffering, but there will be so much joy. To live as what? To live as I will shrink back? Would you love Christ? And will you love people enough to say to live as Christ? And I will stay the course with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for these encouraging words from Paul. Lord, thank you that he doesn't candy coat it, but tells us very clearly that life is hard and that there's suffering. Father, I pray that you'll help us as as individuals, as families, as a church to bring you honor and glory, even when things are hard and as things get harder in our culture. Lord, I pray that we will speak the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ clearly and boldly. Father, I pray that you would use us as individuals and as families and as a church to see that imperial guards come to know Jesus Christ, to see that communities and cities are transformed by the gospel of Christ. But that is better by far. Father, we are in great need of you. Father, if there is anyone here that has been, they've been moving away from you because it's just hard. Father, I pray that even now they would move back towards you. Lord, that as you've invited us, You said, come, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Lord, I pray that we would come, that we would run to you, our King, our Deliverer, our Abba. We would run to the King and find forgiveness. Father, for those that have not met you before, maybe some that have even been members of a church for a long time, but they've never given their lives over to you. Father, I pray that even now that changes. And they say, Jesus, I want to be yours. I want you to transform my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me yours. Father, as we come to this table that is before us on this day, we see this constant and beautiful reminder of your sacrifice. Jesus, I pray, I pray that we would, we would come to the table with hearts that are open with hearts that are hungry for you. 
Lord, help us to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.